Hi, I'm Grant Dufresne, and welcome to Dufresne Ministries podcast channel. We believe that as you listen to this message, your faith will be stirred and you will be encouraged in whatever you are believing God for today. Stay tuned at the end of this message to find out more information about our ministry. Now, we've been talking about that there are seven methods that God has prescribed in his word whereby someone can receive healing. And so we want, we've looked at the first method that someone can be healed, and that's by using the name of Jesus, taking our authority in that name and demanding that Satan take his hands off situations and breaking his power over people. Amen. The second method uh, that we can use to receive healing is pray for healing to the Father in the name of Jesus. Now go with me, if you would, to John chapter 16 and verse 23. John chapter 16, verse 23. It reads, and in that day, now Jesus was speaking to his disciples. He said, in that day, you shall ask me nothing. Verily, verily, I say unto you, whatsoever you shall ask the father in my name, he will give it you. Hitherto have you asked nothing in my name. Ask and you shall receive that your joy may be full. Look at this. Uh, Ask in my name. You shall ask the Father in my name. He will give it to you. He will. Amen. Jesus is showing them something here that a new order is coming into role. Under the Old Testament, if they needed to talk to God, they went to the priest. But now a new order has come. Come You can come to the Father in my name, and the Father will respond to you just as he responds to me. Now see, that order couldn't come into being until Jesus spoiled principalities and powers. That, That could not come into being until Jesus entered into heaven with his own blood. But once that happened, now a new order's in place. Now, you don't have to go to a man and ask them to go to God in your behalf. We have a right because of what Jesus did for us to come to the Father ourselves in the name. And we can receive just as Jesus received from the Father. Amen. So we have a right to pray for healing to the Father in the name of Jesus. Amen. Now, the third method is the prayer of agreement. In Matthew chapter 18 and verse 19, it reads again, I say unto you that if two of you on earth, if two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything that they shall ask, Look at this. It shall be done. It shall be done for them of my father, which is in heaven. Look at this. God is allowing us to borrow the faith of someone. If we're faced with something and we say, you know something, I I, I don't know that I can take this on by myself. God says, no problem. Borrow faith. Get someone with faith to agree with you. And when both of you bring your measure of faith, then the Father in heaven will hear and it will be done. 
This is why it is so important that you be part of a church family who has faith. Amen. Because you don't know when you're going to need to borrow the faith of someone to join to your own faith. Amen. It's good to have other Christians that you pray with, but if they don't, they don't understand faith. They may pray with you, but they may not release any faith. They may release something different than faith. They may release hope. We hope this happens. We hope this works. Then it won't work. Because if two of you on earth agree as touching anything, see, if one's in faith and one's in hope, there's no agreement there. Then people make the mistake of running around getting five, 10, 15 people to pray with them. That's Jesus said it only takes two. It only takes two. It only takes two. It only takes two. We don't need to run around and get someone else to agree because more agreement doesn't bring greater results. Two agreeing brings the desired result. Two. Amen. But they must be someone who's agreeing with what you're believing for. And this is why you need to have a church family who's taught the same word. Because then you're going to believe the same way, have the same system of believing in place. Can you get someone to agree with you that's not part of your church? Sure, just make sure they have faith. Amen. Because if one has faith and one has crossed fingers, (laughs) hope this works. It won't work because the two have to be in agreement. Then once you agree, they have to stay in agreement. Now that's the key. When they walk away from praying together or agreeing together, then one of them can't walk away and change their mind. Because then it won't work. You not only have to pray in agreement, you have to stay in agreement. I remember so many times that ministers, pastors that my husband would preach for would take my husband and say, we're believing God for this particular property or to buy this particular building for our church. And Ed would say, is that what God said to you? Yes, that's what God said. Okay, if that's what God said to you, then I'll set myself in agreement with you. But when I fly out of town, don't you change your mind and, oh, we don't want this property anymore because I don't, he said, I don't give my agreement lightly. He said, when we agree, I expect you to not come out of that agreement because the passing of time can cause some people to change what they agree on. So it's not just about praying in agreement. It's about staying in agreement once you walk away from that moment of praying. Amen. So from then on out, you've got to find someone who knows how to stand and fight the good fight of faith with you. So that when they walk away from you, they, they walk away saying, Father, I thank you that, that your power is working in their situation right now. If someone's agreeing with you, You want to make sure it's someone who knows how to stand their ground and hold fast. 
Not just someone who knows how to pray for the moment, but they know how to hold fast. Because it may look like over time that it's not working and you need to have somebody that's encouraging you and say, no, 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 we agreed. It's working. Don't give up. Don't quit. Don't let down on your faith. You need that person that came into agreement to help you encourage, help encourage your faith through the passing of time until your answer manifests. Amen. I have a couple that I was talking to and we were talking about a piece of property and it looked like things were not going the right direction. And, uh, they, you know, I, I, I know who I, I go, I call people who encourage me, not people who will bail with me. <laughs> when you feel like bailing, you better know who won't bail in your life because that's the person you want to go to. And I knew that this couple knew how to believe God for properties and buildings and face all kinds of opposition. And so I called them and they said, Nancy, God's working. God's going to do it. It doesn't care how many times things change hands. It's going to come. Then the next morning, first thing in the morning, my phone rings and they, I pick up the phone and it's them. And they said, it's coming to pass. It's coming to pass. So you need someone who not just prays, but someone who stays in agreement and encourages your faith. So you don't waver because see, you're the one seeing the circumstances. You're the one that's directly connected to all the circumstances. They're standing on the outside of those circumstances, right? So you want somebody who keeps pushing you in and pushing you in and saying, don't you get out of that rink of faith. Don't you leave the rink of faith, right? <laughs> you want someone who's going to say, keep going, keep going, keep going. And because they're not feeling what you're feeling of those circumstances, that's a help to you. <laughs> Because they're going to see clearly when you're right in the middle of, of circumstances and thoughts and opposition, they're not getting those same ones. So they just keep kicking you back into that faith flow. Just don't you come out. Don't you come out. Because they understand our agreement works. Why? Because the word works. The word works. Amen. Double up your faith. See, that's your faith and their faith doubling up. Thank God for that prayer of agreement. Now, see, you can't always find that with five or six people. That's why he said, just two, just get two. Because <laughs> the more people you get involved, the less likely there is to be agreement. I'm talking about Bible agreement, not emotional agreement. A lot of people give you emotional agreement. Well, we want you to do well. We want things to change. That won't work. <laughs> That's not faith. That's that emotional stuff. You need someone who's going to say, the word says, this is what we agreed on this. And they will help you not come out of agreement. My, 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 it's so important. It's important that you have faith fellowship because at a time of need, you're going to need the fellowship and the prayers and the staying of those who know how to pray and stay in faith. Amen. Praise the Lord. So that means when somebody comes to you and says, would you agree with me in prayer? You don't just mindlessly go, oh, yeah, we agree. You are now put in a place of responsibility that I'm not backing out of this thing and I'm not letting you back out. I'm going to encourage you as much as I can. 
Amen. It's like a marriage, so to speak. You came into a covenant act there. And you have a lot of people that today they mindlessly enter marriage and they don't mind, they don't mind walking away and bailing on it. If it, if, if it comes to a point where it gets a little uncomfortable, they don't like it or it's not convenient. They will walk away from their agreement. But this is covenant stuff. So when someone asks you to agree, you better understand the soberness of what the word is putting a demand on us about. Now, if you're getting someone to agree with you, that's not just so you can dismiss your faith and just ride on their faith. That's not agreement either. If they're bringing faith and you're just being lazy with your faith, that's not agreement. If they're bringing their faith, you have to bring your faith or there's no agreement. Well, praise the Lord. So that's the third method. The fourth method whereby believers can receive healing or people can receive healing is healing through the anointing with oil. In James chapter five, in verse 14, it says, is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church. Who's going to do the calling? The one that's sick. Meaning this, you may have a, you may have a family member and they're sick. And, uh, the wife says, maybe a husband is sick and the wife says, we're going to call for, you know, the such and such believer or such and such minister to come and pray. Well, why are you doing that? The sick one needs to desire it. Not just the ones around the sick one. It's not enough that mama wants you to be prayed for. It's not enough that your husband wants you to be prayed for or that your wife. That This one works when the one who is sick has the desire for someone to come and minister to them. Amen. And this is where a lot of people miss it. A lot of times it's a loved one who wants them healed. So they're calling for church members or, or, or the pastor or somebody to come and pray for them. But scripturally, that's not going to work. Because it says here, that has to come from the sick one. The invitation for healing. Why? Because you may want them healed, but if they don't, if they don't have a regard for the word, they have to have a regard for the word. They have to have an honor and a respect for the word that this is going to work. Amen. So they're not just going to just, you know, uh, be, be uninterested. When someone comes and prays for them and wish they weren't there, like, hurry up and get out of my house. No, it says, is any sick among you? Let him call. Let the sick one call for the elders of the church. Who are the elders of the church? Well, it's not necessarily the oldest people in the church. It means someone who's developed in their faith. The elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil. Look at this in the name. In the name of the Lord and the prayer of faith shall save the sick. Notice it doesn't say, and the anointing with oil will save the sick. It's not the anointing with the oil that saved the sick. It's, it's the prayer of faith that was released when someone put that oil on them and the prayer of faith shall save the sick and the Lord shall raise him up. Now, this is what I want you to see. It's not oil that heals. It's not oil that's holy. Don't ever fall into the misunderstanding that it's oil that heals or that oil is holy. 
It is not. It is simply a point of contact so that sick one can feel something on them and it brings a help and an assist to their faith. That they release their faith because as it says in verse 15, it's not the anointing of oil. It's the prayer of faith that saves the sick. And the Lord shall raise him up. And if he have committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. Look at this. And if he has committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. Notice this. It makes an implication here that in some cases, someone may be sick because they've stepped into, into a life of sin. They've gotten into something. They've gotten on the devil's territory. And that opened the door to sickness. God doesn't make anybody sick when they disobey God. But when you sin, we get, we get on the devil's territory and then he has a right to attack us. So he says, now, if he's committed sin, they shall be forgiven him. Amen. Verse 16, confess your faults one to another. And pray one for another that you may be healed. That doesn't mean go and tell everybody everything you've done wrong. Stand up in church and tell everybody that you've done wrong. It means this. If you disobeyed God in something and it opened the door to that sickness, you're going to have to confess that, get that right before they pray for you so that healing can come. Because if you're not going to correct that, healing can't come because the door is still open to what caused the sickness. So that means before the preacher comes, have a talk with you and Jesus. <laughs> or before the Christian comes to pray for you, have a talk. Father, I, I, I correct what I need to correct. People will say, well, I don't know what I need to correct. Come on. Come on. I dare to say in our spirits, we know when we miss God. We know when we're not obeying in something. We know when we're omitting doing something that we should have done. Amen. We know about it. So this shows that we have to deal with that uh, for healing to come if sin is involved. Amen. I remember the testimony of one minister. He said that there was a woman years ago that was dying in his church. Uh, she had she had cancer and uh, they wanted to operate on her. And she said, no, she she didn't. She, she didn't seem, it didn't seem to her that that was the thing to do. So she didn't have the operation, but then the cancer continued to spread and went all through her body. She's in her final days. She's nothing but skin and bones. And she called the pastor and she said, pastor, she said, would you come? And in accordance with James here, James five, she says, would you come and anoint me with oil? And he said, yes, I will. And so he, he decided to get... He had elders, those who he called elders in his church, and he wanted to see if they could come with him. And there were about 25 of them. And this was on a Friday night. And uh, by chance, all 25 of them were available, which is kind of unusual, right? That everyone would be available at a moment's notice to go visit this woman in the hospital. So they did, and they gathered around her bed. And before the pastor prayed, he, he read this passage to her. But, and he got to the part and said, and if he's committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. And he said, the woman was so weak, she could barely speak above a whisper. And so he said, now, sister, I'm not saying that there's sin involved, but he said, I'm going to give you a chance before we lay hands on you and anoint you with oil to talk to the Lord about it. You have a conversation with him. Yeah. 
and ask him. And you talk with him because if there is, this is the time to get that corrected. Because see, healing can't come until that's corrected. And so they, they just quietly prayed there for a moment, let her talk to the Lord. And after a few moments, she motioned for him to lean down because she couldn't speak out loud. And he put his ear down to her mouth and she whispered in his ear and said, God has shown me that through my gossip and through my talking bad about my pastor and about leadership, that I have spread cancer in the body of Christ and I have reaped cancer in my own body. And she said, I wish to confess that. And he said, sister, I forgive you. And he said, all of a sudden, different ones of those elders started praying and crying and weeping themselves because he said, we're all going to pray for her. And one said, well, I've been doing it too. (laughs) And another one said, well, I've spoken in ways I shouldn't have against congregation members or whatever. And he said, one by one, they all just began to get right there, right there before God. Why? Because no need to arrive on the bed when you can just get it right while you're standing. And so they all just went around and they said, if she's going to come clean, we're going to come clean. Because they saw what sin would take you to. And so they repented. She repented. He said he got so thrilled. He just meant to just put a dab of oil on her and just dump the whole thing on her. And said she jumped out of bed completely healed. Went to church the next Sunday. They dismissed her. She stood up and she says, now I've repented to the elders, but I want, because they're a representative of you. But now that I'm here, I want to repent to you as a representative that I have spoken against and caused damage in this local church. And I repent for that. And said, when one woman repented, said they had a revival for three months in that church healings began. What was it? Others started seeing the danger and the damage. And I'm not talking about everybody getting up and airing their, their offense. I'm not talking about that airing their sins. That's not what it's talking about. It's saying, get it right between you and God. So that, and if he tells you to go to someone to make it right, then do that because then the door is open for God to heal. Amen. Amen. So if we call for the elders and we want to be anointed with oil, make sure we're taking this whole passage in context because many just want you to come and pray. But wait a minute. If, if something more needs to be addressed, let's address it. Amen. Hallelujah. Now we go to method number five of receiving healing is to receive healing through the laying on of hands. Mark chapter 16 and verse 18 uh, is contained in the great commission that Jesus gave to the church. And he said in Mark 16, verse 18, they shall lay hands on the sick, notices, and they shall recover. Amen. Not they might, they shall recover. We are authorized not only to preach the gospel, to tell people about salvation, but we are authorized, every single one of you are authorized to lay hands on the sick. Amen. Amen. Lay hands on the sick. We're authorized to lay hands on the sick. And you have a right to expect them to recover. 
Amen. You don't have to be a pastor. You don't have to be in the fivefold ministry. This is something that every believer is authorized to do. In fact, this is the only thing that we ever see in the scripture where everyone is told to lay hands on somebody. Only in connection with healing. Now, could you lay hands on somebody for something else? Yes, but here it's specified. You lay hands on them for healing. And everyone should be skillful at that. Amen. Be bold to do it because if you were sick, you would want someone who knew about healing power to be bold to help you. Amen. So the, we see that method of laying hands on the sick. Method number six, receive healing through a gift of the spirit or a manifestation of the spirit of God. First Corinthians chapter 12 and verse eight says, for to one is given by the spirit, the word of wisdom to another, the word of knowledge by the same spirit to another faith by the same spirit to another, the gifts of healing by the same spirit to another, the working of miracles to another prophecy to another discerning of spirits to another diverse kinds of tongues and to another, the interpretation of tongues. These are called the nine gifts or the nine manifestations of the spirit. The thing is no person controls these. These are controlled and initiated by the spirit of God. You cannot just say that I'm going to operate. You're going to be healed by gift of the spirit. The Holy spirit is the one who initiates this and no preacher can initiate any nine of these and anyone who says they can they're, they're, they don't properly understand this operation it is as the spirit wills on occasion we saw this through Jesus's earthly ministry but predominantly we saw Jesus's earthly ministry with healing involved the, the faith of the person needing the healing but on occasion, we saw a couple of instances where the gifts of healing went into operation and they were raised up without any, any effort on their part. They didn't do anything. It was just simply God initiating by the spirit of God, someone's healing. Usually this is going to be used for people who are untaught the word, people who are untaught in faith and those who have been taught faith, God's going to expect more of you. He's going to expect us to use our faith. So don't go to a service and just hope that the spirit of God will do it apart from your faith. We are to bring our faith. Amen. And then the seventh and last method of healing we want to refer to, and this is the best method. And that is know that healing belongs to you. When you know what it says in Matthew 8, 17, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah, the prophet saying himself took our infirmities and bear our sicknesses. When you know that healing's been provided for you, you don't have to talk God into it. You're not trying to earn something from God. It is yours by right of birth. I'm talking by birth of being born again that it belongs to you, then you can stand up and say, no, you don't devil. I'm already healed and you're not putting this on me. Notice this. It says that himself took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses. Notice he took ours. He bore ours. So symptoms that come, that's not ours. Pain that comes, that's not ours. Jesus took ours. That's the devil's and he's trying to deceive us with what belongs to him. But that doesn't belong to us because Jesus took ours. Now, when you know that you stand up in the face of symptoms, say, no, you don't. You're not deceiving me with that because I am free. I am healed. Hallelujah. 
Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. We trust you've enjoyed this message. Visit us at defrayministries.org to learn of our upcoming meetings, share your testimony, become a partner, or visit our online store. This program has been made possible by the friends and partners of Defray Ministries.